We're in week five of the All In Initiative. And if you, if you came in this morning and you don't have a book, I want you to get a book because I want you to take notes today. So if you, if you need a book today, would you put a hand up in the air, wave it like you, no, don't even wave it, just put it up in the air. And, and, and just we can see several guys, if we're, we're moving ushers, you guys are awesome. Hey, those of you that don't need a book, would you just, would you, would you con- thank, thank our usher team, our red carpet team for all they do. They've been faithful in season, out of season, getting umbrellas for people, driving golf carts, opening doors, cleaning up vomit. I mean, you name it. In fact, it was right there in that third row. I'm kidding. It's not. So we, uh, thank you, ushers, for helping everybody. While they're continuing to pass those out, I want to remind you that tonight at 5 p.m., it's not mandatory, but if you'd like to come and hear about what all God has done, we're going to have our annual business meeting be one hour long. We're going to celebrate all God's done in 2016. We'll also be ratifying uh, uh, two new deacon team members to join our seven-man deacon team, and uh, we'll be re-electing one deacon to serve their second, third-year term. The deacons are called of God to serve the pastor well uh, and, and to help protect the mission and vision of the church, and these guys do it uh, with grace and talent and friendship and uh, empowerment. And so I'm so thankful to, for our team. I want to invite you, if you're not a member, uh, you don't really vote, but you can come in and just kind of sit in and, and see uh, God's way of doing business in a healthy and productive way. If you've ever been in a business meeting, you're like, I'm never going to church again because of a business meeting. I mean, business meeting is going to be crazy scary in the local church. We do them in a way that's God-honoring, so I want to invite you to, uh, to do that. I want you to turn to page 62 in your all-in book. This is week five. We have been going through a journey of understanding God's provision, understanding God's outlook on everything, understanding his covenant relationship through the story of Abram, who later was Abraham, and, and all nations have been blessed through the seed of Abraham. And week five is all about surrender, but this morning at 4.30, I woke up and I sensed that I needed to not preach what I had prepared. I mean, it's in the book. I've done a video. I've done this. And, and so, so let me give you just two guidelines on, on a pastor. First of all, you, you, you want a pastor that's planned and prepared, okay? You don't want a pastor that's going to wing it, all right? So, so just wait until Saturday night to get the anointing. That, that's not a very good formula. Uh, we plan and we prepare and I pray in advance because I think God can talk on Tuesday as much as he can talk on Saturday night. But there are occasions where the Holy Spirit prompts us to go a different direction. And you want a pastor that would follow that prompting, don't you? And so today, even though I'm supposed to talk about Abraham and Isaac and and this willingness to to sacrifice the the, the very embodiment of the covenant of God with Abraham, uh, God's shifting us to go a little bit different direction. And whenever he does that, I really truly believe that it's for a reason that's personal and corporate, that it's always for the body because he wants to do something beyond what I could even see. And then also personally, you're here and Jesus wants to talk to you today. This is not just a a conversation about the next two years, strategic initiatives to go further, faster for the kingdom of God. This is a moment where you come face to face with what God is calling you to become, who he wants you to be, where, where you are and how he wants to empower you. So instead of going into the story of Genesis, we're actually going to find ourselves in the book of Acts chapter 20. And I'm going to jump right in. This is the apostle Paul. Paul was also named Saul. And uh, when he was Saul, he was known as a persecutor of Christians. Uh, The guy was ruthless. He wanted nothing more than to to shut down the movement of of Christ that was exposed 
radically exploding, at, but, God, but Paul had an incredible encounter, face-to-face encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. It radically changed his life. And then he began to move outside of his own uh, uh, understanding of God as just a Jew, and he began to experience Christ and all that he had for him. And he was called in to preach the gospel and to build churches and to develop leaders. And so we see Paul having been doing a lot of work in the Middle East and in Asia. And we pick up the story right there in Acts chapter 20. Paul sent to Ephesus for the leaders of the congregation. He got a Facebook group together and he messaged all the leaders of leaders in Ephesus. He says in verse 18, when they arrived, he said, you know, that from day one of my arrival in Asia, I was with you totally. I wasn't half in. I wasn't half baked. I was, I was all in. Laying my life on the line, serving the master no matter what. And I got to tell you, I've had so many people come up to me and say, hey, we are totally laying our lives on the line. We're trusting God with going all in. Uh, We're we're going to serve and we're going to give no matter what. I've I've been so encouraged as your pastor with this this heart. Just just a few moments ago, uh, standing with a young lady saying, I'm trying to figure this out because my finances aren't consistent. They kind of go up and down and, you know, and and don't really know the paycheck's not going to be. And and we just just prayed for a moment and, and God's just doing some stuff in people's lives. Listen, I was, I was at the doctor's office last Monday and I went in and I, I've, been, I've been getting like a weekly shot, you know, and, and uh, they, 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 they put it in, in, in my cheek, <clears throat> not this one. And, uh, and so, so I go in and I'm sitting in the waiting room and, and uh, uh, the nurse comes in and says, Mr. Yancey, said, yep, that's me. so I come to the back and, and uh, I said, well, we, we do these in you know, and kind of in the cheek there. And so I said, well, how, you know, okay. And so I, you know, I don't want to get awkward up here, but basically I'm leaning up against the wall and I pull my pants like halfway down here and uh, pull my shirt up. And, and she said, okay, going to be a big poke. And she takes one side and big poke. And, and, and as I'm getting this, this shot, she, she uh, continues to say, yesterday's service was so good. Then she went to the other side. It was so great, loving what we're doing. I said, you know, just when I thought this could get more awkward, it became more awkward. And we laughed about it and we talked and, and I quickly pulled my pants up. And, 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 uh, and, and she's just saying in her own words, hey, we're all in too. God's been stirring our hearts, and I'm so excited that, that people are relatively new to the church. Those that have been senior saints, been here since the church moved from Culver House. All sorts of ages, all sorts of economy, all sorts of attendance. We, we, so many people going all in, because that's been the goal, not a financial goal. This has been a discipleship journey for us all to go all in. It's going to take 100% participation. That's what the goal is. It's not a financial number. It's us just surrendering to God. And Paul says, I was all in preaching you the gospel while I was in Asia. He goes on to say, I didn't skimp or trim in any way. Every truth and encouragement that could have made a difference to you, you got. Can I be honest with you? Like on my bucket list, 
is not a process of taking five weeks to talk about money. It's like not on my Bible. Like if I had a list of things I'd want to preach about, it wouldn't be just talking about money over and over and over and over and over again for the last five weeks. It just wouldn't be. But it's so critical that we understand what God's plan is for humanity and what God's plan is for our hands and our finances that we couldn't skimp on what we're doing. And it's been truth and it's been encouragement. And to recap a few things, you may want to write these down on page 62. God has been asking us since day one of the All In Initiative on February 5th, we launched this Super Bowl Sunday. He's asking us to cultivate a Yes God heart, to live a Yes God life, to leave a Yes God legacy. You cannot leave a Yes God legacy without saying yes to him in your life. And neither one of those happen without him having your heart. It doesn't start with your hands, it starts with your heart. Fruit is produced on the tree, not by the limbs, it's produced by the heart of the tree. And out of the abundance of that heart, your, your limbs begin to produce the right fruit. And we have to get the heart right in order to get our legacy right. Every single one of you, 100% of you, it is a guarantee you're going to die. And it's a guarantee you will leave a legacy. Whether it's the kind of legacy that's a yes God legacy or not is up to you. Not up to your pastor, up to you. We also learned that God was saying, don't just believe in me, trust in me. It's one thing to say, I believe you, God. I believe you. It's another thing to truly trust him and and, and get in his wheelbarrow as he would walk across a tightrope of Niagara Falls. You can trust his hands. You can trust his wheelbarrow. You can't just believe and not be willing to get in the wheelbarrow. You got to trust him with everything. We learned on week three that God is honored when you give him what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it. And what does he want? What does he want and how does he want it? He just wants everything first. That's God. Guess what? He's the creator of everything. He gets a say on what is first. And he says, I want the first. I want all your heart and I want it right away. And I want you to show me that I have all your heart by the way you spend your time and your talents and your treasure Put me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things are added. It takes zero faith to put God fifth in your life. Zero faith to put him fifth. It takes real faith to put him what? First. That's what God's calling us to do. Then last week we talked about transformation. And the the name of Abram means exalted father. And that God was calling him to change his name. And God was giving him a new name, Abraham, father of a multitude. Not just a father, but father of many. And the truth is, Abram was 99 years old and he hadn't even had any children. So he didn't even have this name figured out of exalted father. He wasn't even a dad yet, let alone here being a father of a multitude. It was several chapters later that that part of the promise of God came through. But what did we learn from that? We learned that Jesus sees through who we are to who we can become. And although your identity might mean something to you or the identity your parents have said about you or your friends said or what that spirit when they walked out the door said, whatever, what you think you are, Jesus sees beyond it to who you can become. That's why we say it around here that your God-given potential is our mission. Because we want to see you become all God has had. If you are here, you've been serving Jesus for 30 years, can I tell you, until you are six feet under, God still sees beyond where you are to more that you can do and more than you can become. You still with me? 
In that lesson last week, we read from, the, from Paul in Romans chapter 12, and it said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you dress. No. Changing the way you act. No. The way you think, because the way you think affects the way you feel. The way you feel affects the way you act. And God knows he can do the transformative work in you if you'll, let, if you'll be led by the Spirit to, for him to do so by changing the way you think. If you think God is done with you, you can believe that. You can think it. And you can feel that and you can act on it. But you have to have the right thoughts. And what we learned about even finances last week. We, the, the culture tells you, don't be transformed by the patterns of this world. Culture with every single billboard, every single Facebook ad, every single commercial, thank God for DVRs, every single thing. You, you are bombarded with the culture saying, think this, do this, buy this, smell this way. DiGiorno. DiGiorno. That's a pizza. I, although, although I will tell you. DiGiorno number five. I would buy that. I would buy that fragrance. I'd be like, what's up, baby? Time for Supreme. Anyway, so, you know, what in the world? It all belongs to God. It's a different perspective on changing the way you think. Everything you have, even to say it that way. I don't have anything. Everything I have is on loan from God if you can get up out of bed and before your two feet hit the ground, if you can say, God, I'm yours, my family is yours, my finances are yours, this house is yours, this bed I'm laying on. If it weren't for you, not everybody in the world sleeps on a bed. There's a lot of people on dirt. There's a lot of people don't even have shelter, God. Everything I have is yours. This hasn't been a financial series Although we've talked about finances, it's been a discipleship journey to trust God and lean not on our own understandings in everything, including the way we look and think and behave with money. We've been talking about this two-year all-in commitment. And if you're a guest today, you're a part of a, a culmination of these last four weeks. We're going to give our two-year commitments to the Lord today. And to just kind of show you what we've been talking about, that everybody, everybody is a potential giver. And although God's scripture shows us that being a tither is like the principle that God sets, it's like his standard, it's the starting block, not everybody is there yet. And so what happens is sometimes people that are potential givers, because they don't feel in their heart that they can do this, that they don't do anything. And what I want to challenge you in this is, is, is this, if God says, trust me, trust him. Don't give because the pastor told you, because I'm not telling you, I'm telling you trust God. If you trust God with everything, you, you can climb this ladder. And so there are those in our church, you've never trusted God with giving. You don't come to church with a plan to give. And you know what? I'm glad you're here. It's a church anyone can come to. You don't have to pay dues every Sunday to be a part of what's going on here. There are other people that are, are, are providing with giving and generosity so you can sit and not give a thing. But don't stay there. Because you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And I'm inviting you to emerge from being a potential giver to, to start giving. To do something. To make a commitment today to start doing something. And those of you, you give on occasion, but there's no real plan. I'm inviting you to become a consistent giver. Now, I'll tell you, there's been a lot of people already talk to me, say, I'm here. 
and I'm, I'm jumping to here. And I'm, I'm here, and I've got to start here. I, I, I'm, help me. And we prayed about it. I'm not twisting anybody's arm, and neither is God. But, but here's what we have to do uh, as well. We, we want to see those of you that are emerging become consistent givers, and that is the same way you said, I need to put my pants on before I get out of the house, because you have a plan, that you would have a plan on how you give on a Sunday, uh, how you give throughout the week from text to give to online giving to coming and bringing it and actually dropping it in the offering plate. It's up to you, but we want to become consistent. Tithers are those that give 10% of their income. 10% of the income. So if you make $30,000 a year, a tithe is, is $3,000 over the course of a year. It's basically saying, I give you 10 cookies, give me one cookie back. Thank, I mean, it's, it's nice that God said, give me one cookie back. Not, hey, give me eight cookies back and you can have two. That's how I treat my kids. <laughs> you know, uh, give me some of those Oreos. You got 10, I want to have of those. You don't even say half, give me one. Give me one Oreo out of the 10 Oreos. Trust him. Trust him, put him first. And then those of you, you've been faithful for a long time. And we're inviting you, Janet and I are, are, are trying to lead this process. Uh, we will give more in the next two years. We're going to double our efforts and give double than what we've ever given uh, in our lives and in our marriage. Uh, we're on, on April 2nd, when we start all of this, a month from now, we give our first big offering, the biggest offering in the history of our 90-year-old church. We're going to give the largest offering. Our, we're going to write the largest check we've ever written. We've ever written. On, on that Sunday, because God's calling us to lead by example. Wherever you are, just take a next step and follow God. You know, I had uh, someone give me a commitment card this last week. They weren't able to be here on today. And I know their financial situation because we talked about it. And uh, they, they are giving above and beyond their tithe, actually, by giving $3,000 on this card. They said, we're going to give, and you know what? We're going to add $1,200 to it, and our gift for the year is going to be $4,200, and that times two years, our two-year commitment is $8,400, and this is what this family with three kids um, that, that, that don't have a sizable income, they said, you know, we've been living a long time debt-free. We just drive old cars. We'd rather have money in the bank than have, uh, you know, power steering. <laughs> I'm kidding. They have power steering. And, and uh, they said, we... we God felt like, this is a young family. This is a young family. We feel like God told us to take $11,600 out of savings, and our two-year goal is $20,000. Now, that may not be you. It doesn't have to be you. Don't listen to Pastor Jeremy, and don't follow suit with this person. But they surrendered. They listened. They obeyed. They made a commitment, and I'm inviting you to do the same, regardless of what it looks like in your trusting God. We've been showing stories uh, every week we've been together of how people are going all in. This is a story of my good friends, Bubba and Sonia. Take a peek. So my defining moment um, was a time where uh, I've been praying for healing in my body. I had um, major back issues and had been dealing with it for about five years, I was struggling with it. And, and so I was really praying for a healing in my back because I was getting to where I was limited in my functioning and things like that. And so I was praying these prayers of healing over my body and um, it didn't come the way that I thought it could. And it really shook my faith. Um, quite a bit because I had prayed such little prayers before and God would come through miraculously and I knew it was God's hand and so I was so excited and so passionate and I needed this huge prayer to come through 
and it didn't come through. And so the truth that has been preached here of um, the great miracles that happen, and then sometimes when that sun goes down, um, it gave me that um, revelation that, you know what, God is still good. Even when the prayer doesn't get answered the way that you think it's going to get answered, God is still good, and He's still with you, and His grace really is sufficient for you, and it really sprang forth a new faith and a new encouragement and a new hope um, hearing that um, truth come through the whole thing. It was very apparent to me that he spends a lot of time and effort in front of the Lord. He had made the comment one time that, oh, hey, this crazy little preacher down here at Timber Creek Church, you know, and, and I told him, I said, I believe that's true. I believe he is a crazy little preacher, crazy about doing what God wants to do, utilizing this church and this facility to, to its maximum and giving us the ability to be a part of that. I would say out of the initiatives that Pastor Jeremy talked about, uh, the one that immediately spoke to me was the safe haven for children. Um, I've got a heart for, for those babies, for orphans, um, for those that uh, don't have a mama to hold them at night and tell them everything's going to be okay. For those that um, have been mistreated, have um, been abused, um, those that are in sex trafficking, that's where my heart is. Um, so when Pastor Jeremy started talking about that, oh, my heart just melted right then because um, we all have a passion. Um, and where my passion is may not be where his is or where yours is, and, and that's okay. But operate in that passion, wherever it is. There's so many great ones, but I have to say that's what spoke to my heart so, so badly. The, the God that told Moses to stick his staff out over that Red Sea and it's going to part, we're going to walk across. It's the same God that is saying, hey, I want to use Timber Creek as a tool, as a tool to do the Great Commission, to reach out to people, not only in this, this church, but this town, this, this city, the United States and the world, and make a footprint, make a footprint that makes an impact. You see so many facilities and they build these buildings that are, are testament to man's ability to design but don't touch it. And a tool represents the ability to change things, to make things better, to empower people. And I was so excited to hear it that we were going to be able to be a part of that. And so for us to go in financially is a no-brainer for us because God has showed me over and over and over again, I provide your finances, sister. Look to me, serve me, continue to walk in faithfulness, and I'll take care of you. God has never, ever, ever left us short. So, of course, we're going to go in um, financially um, because it is an honor to give to God when you see that um, it's going in, in good soil. Don't stay where, don't, don't live life within your preparation, but live it within your potential. And, and that's what we want to do, and we really feel like that the, the all-in the All In campaign is, is an avenue for us to be able to do that. Let's give it up for Bubba and Sonia. That's my new hashtag, crazy little preacher. Thank you. CLP, you down with the CLP? Crazy little preacher? All right, anyway. So we, we learned that the Apostle Paul says, um, I haven't held anything back. I'm all in. He's got his leaders together, he's, and, and he says, he continues on, 
And he says, I taught you out in public and I taught you in your homes. This is an easy plug for the importance of groups. That we can sit row by row right here, but it's, it's important. Even Paul modeled the idea of a corporate gathering and a more personal, intimate gathering of being in groups. If you've not plugged into a group yet, check out the groups brochure. Go to TimberCreekChurch.com. You can search all of our 80-plus groups right there online and connect with a group. He's been urging the Jews and the Greeks alike to a radical life change before God and an equally radical trust in our master Jesus. So God gives us radical life change, but he also asks from us a equally radical trust in him. In the next scriptures, four more scriptures, Paul begins to declare a new place where he's headed and he wants to tell all the leaders. And, and as I've looked at that, I, this morning I completely went a different direction and I pinpointed seven declarations of commitment and surrender in these next few scriptures. Seven declarations. And here's what it is. I believe Paul was declaring this in the book of Acts, but I believe it's a declaration for you and your personal life with Jesus. I believe it's for you if you're a husband or you're a wife, if you're a parent, if you're a teenager, if you're a senior citizen, if you're a grandparent. These are declarations that not only Paul made, but I believe God is calling all of us individually and corporately as Timber Creek Church. I believe God is calling us to declare these things today and live with, live with intensity toward these declarations of commitment and surrender no matter where you are or what you're doing. So he goes on to say this, I've done all these things, but there is another urgency before me now. Paul could have been satisfied with the thousands upon thousands upon thousands and the churches upon churches upon churches that, that he had birthed and planted and equipped. He could have been satisfied. He could have went ahead and said, hey, I'm going to step out. I'm going to go ahead and retire. I'm going to go to the villages in Turkey and I'm going to hang out and just golf all day and, and hang out by the pool. But instead he said, I've got something else that's, that's urgent. I can't be satisfied with all these wins. There's another urgency before me now. And the first declaration that I'm asking you and Timber Creek Church, me and my wife, for all of us to make, we will live with a sense of urgency. That we, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to his voice in our life, in our heart, when it comes to his direction, right or left, straight forward, stop, back up, move forward, that we will live with a sense of urgency. You know what happens when you lose a sense of urgency? you get complacent. And the devil loves a complacent Christian. He loves a complacent church that's just okay with the way things are. Just okay with us four, no more. Us three, it'll be. Us two, it'll do. Us one, I guess I'll just have some fun. We will live with a sense of urgency knowing that we're not done. Senior citizen, God's not done with you. You're here and you regret some decisions. God's not done with you. You thought it's all been thrown away because of some serious left turns that you've made. God's not done with you. But he wants you to pick up a sense of urgency and get back online with him to trust him for what's next. He's not gonna leave you there. He sees beyond where you are to who you can become and where you can go. In the same way Paul had an urgency to move forward, God's calling this church. 89 years we've had a sense of urgency. 
I, I bet we actually had some, some stagnant moments in our history. We made some left-hand turns. We got some regrets. We made some poor decisions in 90 years. But just because of that, God doesn't stop what he's doing. He's brought us to this place. And when we turn 100 years old, I want nobody to say, I just wasn't really, you know, committed. I want him to see his church, Timber Creek Church, when we turn 100 years old and we have our 100th birthday together. That God would say, boy, they, they, they spent that 10 years with urgency. They spent it with some intensity knowing that God's called them to do big, crazy, audacious things for me. But, but if they don't dream big, then they're not dreaming God dreams. You still with me? He goes on to say, there's another urgency before me. I feel compelled, force, forcibly driven, forcibly propelled, forcibly pushed to go to Jerusalem. There was a spirit that was urging. It wasn't just, I think it'd be a good idea, y'all. And I want to say with absolute honesty as your pastor, with complete transparency, I don't want to dream big old dreams that are impossible without God. That's what my, pro, that's what my selfishness wants to do. My selfishness wants to play it safe. My insecurities as your pastor wants to play it safe. We got a good church. This is a great church. 1,700 people in this church. This is a good-sized church. Uh, we, we have a lot of neat things going on, a lot of cool stuff. I got a lot of friends in this church. My family's got a lot of friends in this church. But God's not called us to play it safe. And the Holy Spirit is compelling us, forcibly driving us to go beyond our comfort zone to what he has for us next. Number two, we will listen to the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. He is our guide. I invite you to open your eyes in the mornings and say, guide me, Holy Spirit. Teach me. If Jesus, one of the last things he said before he sends into heaven, say, I'm going to send you a power. You're going to be clothed with power. And, and I'm going to send you a helper. And you need to wait for this helper. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. How many of you know we ought to like want to have relationship Holy Spirit ain't a ghost. It's not some kind of vague electrical force field. It's not some kind of cloud. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to guide and teach and compel us to what's next in our families and in our church. Paul goes on to say, I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. How many of you like to have a plan? Huh? How many of you, if you were traveling with your parents on a vacation... He said, where are we going? And they said, we are completely in the dark about what will happen when we get there. But we're going on vacation. And then you get, you're like, oh, is it going to be good? Is it going to be Breckenridge? Is it going to be Disney? And then it's like Lake Tejas. You know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't down Lake Tejas. That's where Janet's mom and dad met. Gene, Lee, Gene Norton, not Gene Lee. Gene Norton was... Uh, Lifeguard out there at Lake Tejas. Karen was just a young thing. Gene was running across the beach of Lake Tejas like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> then he tripped and Karen went, what are you doing? Anyways, I was, I'm completely in the dark about what will happen. He didn't have any guarantees except the, the compelling of the spirit. And when you trust God, many of you, you know what you want? You want it in brilliant lights. You want Jesus to hire a pilot and go sky riding. But Paul says, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know him well enough. 
to know he's never left the righteous, the, the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He's, I'm going to go forward. I can do this, and I'm going to be in the dark. So what are we declaring? We will embrace certain uncertainty. God is calling this church to embrace certain uncertainty. I can't give you every detail of where we're going in the next 10 years. I know God's called us to, to, to uh, launch a campus in, in September in Nacogdoches, September 10th. We will be launching. We're meeting with different people this next week to secure our location. Be praying. But there is certain uncertainty. I can't guarantee you that it's going to succeed. But God's called us to do it. And you know what? We're going to walk out and we're going to be uncertain, certain. We are going to be uncertainly certain that we don't know what all God's going to do, but we're going to follow where God has led us to this far. We will embrace certain uncertainty because sometimes you just have to get in the wheelbarrow. Sometimes you just have to say, okay, God, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow. And you may face a furnace seven times hotter than you've ever experienced in your life but he's not going to leave you or forsake you. You may say, I'm going to stand up for what's right, and you may be thrown in the proverbial lion's den. You may have uncertain uncertainty, but what you can be certain of, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches, not your riches, his glory, not your glory, that are in Christ Jesus. You can trust the voice of Jesus. Paul goes on to say, here's what I do know. I, I don't even know what it's going to look like, but here's what I do know. Here's the confidence. So here's like where you breathe a sigh of relief because he does know something. But don't breathe a sigh of relief too quick because he says, I do know that it won't be any picnic. <laughs> it won't be any picnic for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly. It's like, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to Noah, build an ark. But it never talked about build, talking about talking to Noah like all the time or even talking to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He just said, build an ark, and Noah responded. But here's what Paul's saying, like over and over and over, the Holy Spirit's like, I just want you to know I love you, but it's going to be crazy. I want you to know you're going into Jerusalem, but like, watch it, okay? Like, just be ready for prison, Okay. I know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. So what do we learn from this? What's the declaration we can make that Paul makes? We will predict resistance. You know what? The enemy would love nothing more than us to be satisfied. But when we step out and compelled by the Spirit, it gets the enemy on his feet. And anytime you follow God and put his kingdom first, I want to promise you, it awakes the enemy against you. Expect spiritual opposition. Look, look, look. Jesus was just a, a kid running around his daddy's cabinet shop. But when Jesus steps out as a 30-year-old man and he wades into the water of the Jordan River and he's baptized and the sky slits open and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, like a dove, descends and empowers Jesus and God the Father says, this is my boy, I'm really pleased with him. And he steps up out of that water and he walks into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. Guess who shows up in the wilderness? Predictable resistance. When you're not doing anything... But when you're getting out and you're getting ready to start something big, you're ready to start trusting God, I'm just telling you, you need to predict resistance. So many people come to the altar, they accept Christ, they begin living for Jesus, and they think everything's going to be slow motion running through the field with the sound of music in the background. 
daisies and buttercups. You're going to eat all the calories you want and never gain weight. And then all of a sudden something happens and you begin to question your Christianity or your faith. You got to predict, you got to know the enemy wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy everything in your life. So you got to predict resistance. You know, being the kind of outgoing, outward focused church we are, uh, we, we, we have resistance. Whenever we start doing things a little crazy, we get resistance. And you've got to understand, we're going to see resistance against what God wants us to do. But we're going to be certain in uncertain times. We live in an uncertain times, aren't we? Economic uncertainty. Boy, this is really crazy. We don't know where the thing's going to go. It's up, it's down, it's up again. What, what's going to happen? What's the administration going to do? We, we're, we're, all these questions, the economy. Can I just tell you? God's economy is not determined by the White House or Wall Street. And we're living in God's economy, not just Lufkin's economy, not just United States economy, not just the world's economy. God's economy is different. And we can trust his economy. We can have certainty in uncertain times. Paul goes on to say, all of those things, imprisonment, hardships, not knowing where we're going, all that matters little. All of that matters little. And what is he declaring? I'm going to walk in uncommon confidence. I'm going to walk in uncommon confidence. Knowing that God is in charge of my footsteps, even if I don't know the answer, even if I don't know every step, I can trust him with my finances. And I'm going to walk in confidence that if God has spoken, who am I to say he's a liar? Who am I to say that's not God? God if God's speaking to you, trust the word and the voice of the Lord. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. That's what Paul says. What matters most beyond all these other things, what matters most is to finish what God started. Number six, we as a church, and I'm inviting you as a family, you as an individual, we will care about what matters most. We will care about what matters most as a church. And as you read on, you see what matters most. Because Paul says it like this, the job Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. Let me read it again. Here's what matters most. It's the job Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. He's talking about the grace of God. When we talk about being generous as a church, we're not talking about doing anything that God wasn't already super generous to us first. When we give and put him first, it's not because we're being first. It's because God first loved us. While we were still sinners, he gave his most prized possession, his one and only son, to pay for our connection with him. That's the beauty of the cross. It's the beauty of the generosity of God it's a beautiful moment. So what is God saying? God, would you write this down in your notes? God has called us to deeply care about those far from him. Let me say it again. God has called us to deeply care about those far from him. 
We've said it for a long time, for about 10 years now, we're a church anyone can come to. And what I love about Starting Point Graduation is we have people come in, and we don't, we don't cue them up to say this, but it's true. We have people saying consistently, we feel like there's a church anyone can come to. And I didn't feel like I was really welcome in my last church. And I hate to hear that because God loves all his body. He loves his church and he wants his church though to care deeply about those far from him. We are building a church that is designed to reach people that right now don't care about church, right now aren't in church, right now could care less about God, right now they may even be an atheist, right now. But God has called us, listen everybody, to care deeply about those far from him, those yet to be here. It's why we say empty seats are a big deal because they represent people that are far from God. And we're gonna do whatever it takes to reach people far from God. How many of you have ever been to a little shop um, called um, Walmart? (laughs) If you haven't been to Walmart, Welcome to America, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Walmart is an, is, is, uh, an interesting store, I got to tell you. Uh, you can go into Walmart at any time of the day or night. You, you can buy underwear, duct tape, motor oil, gargonzola cheese. That sounds like an interesting Saturday night. But you can buy it all. You can buy it all, just about anything you need, from, from eating to your automobile to your clothing. But you know, every single Walmart across the nation, they all have several things in common. There's one thing in common, and I remember it ever since being a kid going into Walmart. It may look a little differently, but there's this common, there's this common uh, poster or billboard in every single Walmart. It's not the always save one. There's this billboard and in our Walmart here in Lufkin, it's between the women and men's bathroom in the front of the store. It's right above the, the, the water fountain. And it's a billboard that looks just like this. It's a billboard of missing persons. Every Walmart has them. And the billboard says, and you may not have even noticed it. Because usually when you're walking into Walmart, you're about getting your stuff done. You're about getting your grocery list done. You're not worried about looking at posters or reading billboards. You gotta get going and you gotta get in line and you gotta, you gotta get home and you gotta make supper. You gotta get that project done. But on this billboard, it says every second counts. When a child is missing, every second counts. Please spend a minute with the names and faces of kids here who desperately need your help. It works. 1-800-THE-LOST. 1-800-THE-LOST. I remember this as a kid, but when I went in there just a few hours ago, I didn't know where it was. I didn't know where that billboard was. I had to ask where it was. Why? Why, why, why have I been in Walmart thousands of times in the last 12 years in Lufkin and not seen this billboard? Why? You know, you want to know why? Honestly, you want to know the real answer why? Because my kids aren't up there. Not my kids. So it doesn't hit home. Not my kids, not my problem. 
But Jesus, when he looks at humanity, he says, every person is my child. And there are unclaimed, unchurched, lost children. In the timber country of East Texas and across the world, And I want my church to care about my lost children. I want my church to not just walk by and do their worship song, song, offering, song, sermon, altar call. I want my my church to be serious because every second counts, every service counts, every invite counts, every prayer counts, every sermon counts, every time we honor God with our tithes and our offerings and we give sacrificially, it all counts because there are people on God's bulletin board that without a church that cares about those far from God are going to keep walking, doing their own thing, and without someone standing in the gap, Timber Creek. Who knows if they'll ever hear? Let's be the church that finds and rescues. And you know what? You get close to this, you get close to the picture. You know what it says? Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Call. Don't hesitate. As uncomfortable as it may be as your pastor to invite you and challenge you and stir the spiritual pot for us to give generously, I unashamedly am not hesitating to ask you, go all in with God, including the finances, because you know what we're gonna do with it? We're gonna wipe the billboard clean in the timber country of East Texas. We're gonna do whatever we can to reach people. We're gonna create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. Was on Facebook just the other day, Shoot, who am I talking about? I was on, I'm on Facebook every day. And I creep and crawl and I watch you like a hawk. I just want you to know. I watch you. And I don't post very much. I don't post very much, but I like to creep. <laughs> you know. I saw a post. Gentlemen in our city, apparently. And they were talking about a local church. They didn't name the church but they were actually talking negative about a local church. I don't think it was us. I don't think it was us, but it made me think about us because the the, the post basically, it started by saying, what's up with churches changing their name? (laughs) Having their coffee and, and drinking their coffee and taking their coffee into the worship center and I'm going, hmm, this sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> What's up with the church not respecting? I mean, people coming in, they're just sipping their coffee and sitting there wearing their yoga pants. That's distracting. I can't disagree with that, and it can be distracting. Since when I was taught you respect God's house. And then what was crazy is there was a flood. There was some other, there was some very good comments from some people in our church that didn't bash, but gave a different perspective. Like, what's up with all the lights and the smokes? Like a nightclub in there, all it's missing is alcohol and cigarettes. I don't know what nightclub you've ever visited, but I promise you, this is not like a nightclub because we have lights and smoke, okay? There's a little bit more <laughs> that needs to be happening and for this to really be a nightclub, okay? I don't think anybody in the nightclub said, in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God, okay? 
first reaction is to want to go, you know, to, to, to yell at the top of my thumbs. But you just better get ready. Because if we're going to reach people that are far from God, we're going to have to be doing what nobody else is doing. We're going to have to use methods, not change the message, but use methods that people, yes, in their yoga pants, can come on in and say, how you doing? Glad you're here. What? You don't know the protocol of church? You don't know when to stand and when to sit? You don't know different things about, you know, the way church should be? Awesome. We're glad you're here. This is a church where we can find and follow Jesus, and we're going to create those same kind of churches across the world. And we're going to look back 10 years from now, and it's not going to be a pastor. It's not just going to be you. It's, not, it's going to be us, but it's going to be the Spirit of God that is going to empower and multiply the work to do what only He can do you and I have to do what we should do. But you know what? Final thought. Where God guides, He always provides. God is guiding us down a road of sacrifice and surrender today, everyone. And you may not have prayed about it. You need to pray before you move. You may not have truly surrendered. You may say, I don't think I like that, or I don't like that. Okay, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. If you don't like the direction of this church, be a part of a church where you do like the direction because you've got potential. And if you're sitting idle because you you don't like this church, it would be a sin for you for you to just stay still. God wants to invite you into a movement, into a dance on where we're going, and he wants to participate with all us going all in. Our goal is $8 million, but it's the secondary goal. That's including our two-year two giving. I've talked about this for five weeks now. We actually give about $4.2 in two years. We're raising it by 3.8. We're almost going to have to double our efforts. Can I tell you something, though? I'm not concerned whether we hit $8 million or not. Seriously. Would I... Because if, if someone came in and wrote an $8 million check, we'd still do this whole process. Because this isn't about the money. This is about the process God is taking our church on. The goal has been 100% participation. No matter where you are on this ladder, just do something. Be challenged by God, not by Pastor Jeremy, to surrender and do something. So what does your card need to look like today? First of all, you need to start with surrender. God, everything I have, everything I am, it's yours. You could probably, in small font for some of you and in big block letters for others, you could put everything you own on one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Some of you made me take a couple. Some of you, you'd rip the paper in half. It's okay. I could write all that we have in eight and a half, 11 by sheet of paper. I just want you to imagine all that. And you slide it to the middle of the table and say, God, everything I have is yours. Everything we have is yours. We surrender. Your next step is to simply listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You would listen. God, what are you asking us to do? How are you asking us to participate? Nobody's turning your arm. 
I'm just challenging you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then your third step today, surrender and listen. God will, God will speak to you. It'll be a nudge. It'll be a, a whisper. It'll be a feeling in your heart. If you're just thinking about it intellectually, don't just think about it in your brain. Surrender in your heart. And your next step is just obey. Regardless of what that number is, doesn't make you a bigger, better Christian, whether it goes up or down. But I will tell you, it could make you an obedient or disobedient Christ follower. If you surrender, listen, and don't obey. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. What we're going to do over the next three minutes, everyone, three minutes, we're going to play this music. I'm going to step off the platform. And what I'm asking you to do is take the commitment card. In fact, I'd invite everybody, whether you have one filled out or not, would you take a commitment card out of the seat back pocket? Go ahead and take one. Even if you're not planning on giving one today, would you just take it and put it in your hand? Just put it in your hand. Everybody get one. People on the front row, you may have to, to reach back or people on the second row, you help them. Everybody, just look at it. Just look at it. You're gonna fill out your information. You're gonna check mark. Look up here. You're gonna check mark where you're taking the next step. I'm stepping up towards consistent. I'm stepping up to be extravagant, wherever it is. And we're gonna celebrate all those things on April 2nd when we start to give towards the All In Campaign. We're gonna celebrate the, the amount of people that took next steps, because this is a discipleship journey. But I'm gonna give you three minutes. Maybe you wanna pray with your spouse or just pray by yourself or pray with who you, you came with. This is a personal thing. You have plenty of privacy personal moment space right where you are and in three minutes I'm going to come back up and lead us in the next process and we'll be done and we'll be on our way but do not underestimate the power of the next 15 minutes together we are taking steps and following what God's calling us to do three minutes starts now pray surrender listen 